Hi, I'm Aurora, and if and I'm reading from John 15 verses 10 to 17. Okay. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in His. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, Instead, I have called you friends for ev- for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome one and all again, whether you're here in the auditorium or online with us, it is great to have you join us. Uh, I have to be quite honest, I am actually a little bit sad that we've come to the end of this series. Um, I wasn't, I didn't come to this series with any expectations, but uh, the response has been phenomenal and the amount of people who've contacted and uh, spoken about the things that they feel called to do uh, as a result of this series has been very encouraging. And some of the stuff that's happened has been truly amazing. And so... um, We'll see what happens from here forward. But remember the sign-ons on the 14th, and I've already had a number of people say that they really do want to do the Master Life course, um, and I think that's no less than a dozen people who've contacted me. So uh, it's going to be great to be able to get that underway and see more and more of you engage with that. So it has been greatly encouraging to hear about how people have been challenged and uh, those decisions that they've made which helped them to walk a little bit closer to God. And uh, I'm beginning to mentor a few extra people as a result of that as well, which is fantastic. That's what we want to be doing. But we want to be able to continue to do that. We don't let it finish after this series. If God has challenged you, make sure you put checks and seals in place so you can make sure that you are continuing to do what God has called you to do. We don't want to fall away. And so, as has been my habit, I've used some illustrations throughout this series of things that's happened in my life and in my experiences, which perhaps helped um, relate a little bit more about what we were teaching. But tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I haven't got permission to actually tell this story, uh, so I won't use the people's names involved, but this only happened this last week, which is, again, absolutely fantastic. So, after the services last Sunday, I was contacted by someone who said that the message was written specifically for them and that they felt challenged that they needed to do something with one of their um, friends who was not a Christian and is actually suffering from terminal cancer. They don't have too much longer to live. And so they asked if they could meet me and they came in on Monday morning uh, before Pastor Darrell cancelled our meeting Monday. I had a very full Monday so I met this person at eight o'clock so that I could run through some things with them. And I'm sure that you'd agree, when we speak to someone about faith, it'd be so awesome if we could go one plus one equals redeemed person, praise God, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. 
But it never works that way. There's not a formula we can use in which to bring people to Christ. And so we just have to pray and hope and have some tips and pointers and things like that, which will help us move in the right direction. So I sat down and I prayed with this lady and uh, we ran through a few things that she could use, the Roman road, those types of things, two ways to live. I actually gave her one of those, slipped it into a Bible and said, give him the Bible as well, we'll see what happens. And so she went off to this meeting. The meeting was actually on Thursday. So Thursday morning, I met with the team, 6.30 in the morning to pray, made sure that we prayed for this event and what was actually going to happen. He came to faith. God is good. I want to tell you, it doesn't always happen that way. And the important thing here is not, I mean, it's great the guy came to faith. Don't hear me not saying that. But the important thing is here, this woman felt prompted by Holy Spirit. She felt prompted by God. And it's more about obedience. It's more about doing what God has called you to do. And if he hadn't come to faith, she would have known she'd done what she could. She would have known that she presented the gospel to him. She might have questioned whether she did right or not, whether she did well enough or not. But at least she would have been obedient to Christ and she would have tried to do what she needed to do. I'm going to meet up with her again this week and just find out more details. I'm so excited when this type of thing happens. But she went and did that in Jesus' name. And obviously her joy, her celebration as a result of that is just phenomenal. And if you guys have never been in the presence of someone when they give their life to Christ, I encourage you, start talking about Jesus to everyone because once you see one person, you will not get enough. There is nothing like it in the world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you're a good God and I thank you you pursue wretches just like me. And Lord, I thank you so much for this man who gave his life to you this last week. Lord, we pray that you'll surround him with people who know and love you, people who will strengthen him in the faith, Lord, people who will encourage him to read your word. And Lord, that that word will come alive to him. And that Lord, these last days that he have won't be those days where he's just in misery to the end, but he'll be excited because he's going to stand in your presence and glory, Lord. And Father, for us tonight, I pray that you just open our hearts and minds to you afresh. I pray that we will hear your voice and I pray that we will respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The account that I've just shared should not be alien to us. And I think that we should be a people who celebrate when people come to faith. And in reality, we should be doing that each and every week. We should be seeing people come to faith because when we're on our front lines, when we're in our workplaces, when we're in the universities, when we're at our school, we are talking about Jesus because he is the love of our life. And if we were to do that, we would change the world so much, people would be drawn to Jesus and would see things happen. Our lives as Christians should be lives of sacrificial service to Christ. We should be willing to give up what I want, what I need, what I think I deserve in order to serve Him and fulfill His purposes, not only in my life, but in the world. His plan and purpose is to use humanity in order to reach others. Imagine, in the account I gave, if that woman said, you know what, this guy doesn't have long to live. I value my friendship. I don't want any tension in this relationship in these last few days. I don't want to upset him. I don't want us to not be talking if he doesn't respond well to a message about faith. If she had gone that way, there would have been many who said, yeah, I understand that. I understand why he would. But her not speaking 
would have eternal consequences. And we've got to start thinking that way. We've got to start thinking about people as either being in glory with Christ, redeemed, saved forever, or in a destiny that is horrendous. Eternal separation from all things good. Eternal separation from God. And I, for one, am very thankful that she decided to obey Christ and put aside her reservations and speak to this man. But in order to minister to others, we must take up our cross. We speak about Jesus Christ as part of Master Life being the centre of our life and our submission and daily submitting ourselves to him each and every day, afresh and anew. So he becomes more and more in our life until he becomes the purpose and the focus of all that we do. And we need to daily submit to him more and more. It needs to be more about him and less about ourselves. It's because Jesus saved us that we serve. We don't serve in order to be saved. Jesus saved us, that's why we serve. We don't serve in order to be saved. And the first memory verse we had in Master Life was Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. And this verse calls us to make three initial basic commitments. We are to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. And this is a call to put to death our old selves. It's the only way we can live in the new life that Jesus intends for us. It's that process of shifting my focus and efforts from what I want, what I desire, what I think I deserve, my rights and my privileges, to Jesus, his will, his purposes, his commands, what I need to obey. Think about Jesus as he took up the cross. Once he had that cross upon himself, the decision had been made. He was a dead man walking. He had no right of recourse. There was no moving to the left or the right. His possessions were no longer his own. In normal circumstances, his family would have just left him. And so when we focus upon the cross, when we take up our cross, there's only one path. There is no other alternative. There is no other way to go. The end is death. And for us as Christians, it's exactly the same thing. We're called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is with that one path, that one focus, that one aim, and it ultimately ends in death. But for us, when we know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to meet us right at that point. There is no longer any fear in death because he's going to meet us. He's going to take us into glory with him. But from here on, it's all about Jesus. And it's all about following that path. No swaying to the left and the right. It's submission to him. He commands that we follow him in that way. And we are to daily tuck up our cross, acknowledging our need to forsake everything and everyone in order to live for him. He is our purpose and priority. And we submit to him and his authority and willingly obey his direction. And when we get this right, we can effectively participate in ministry in Christ's name. I want to take... The opportunity now to remind you of the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples. He said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I want to remind you of the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given, in, given to me. Go, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
It's the same call at the beginning and at the end. It's a call for each and every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not an individual call for pastors or evangelists or anything like that. Every follower of Christ must be doing this. And God in his wisdom has provided resources which actually help us. And those resources are his word, the Bible, prayer, fellowship and witness. When we think about the word, we must realize that it's not only for our benefit. It's great to read. It's great to consume that. It's great to know the word. It's great to understand what Jesus is saying to us as individuals. But he doesn't expect us to hold that to ourselves. In fact, he never planned for us to hold that to ourselves. And I've already quoted Matthew 28, but it's the command that is here. We are called to teach them to observe all that I have commanded. If this is the call for every Christian, and every Christian is called to teach, what does that mean for us as individuals? It doesn't mean that you're all called to be pastors or all called to be evangelists. But we are called to teach all that Jesus has commanded us. And we learn this by reading his word, applying it to our lives. And then the call is for us not to keep that to ourselves, but to pass it on to others and teach those what we have learned so they likewise can learn. And so knowing the word leads to this Ministry of teaching and preaching. And I know many of you will still be struggling with that. That it's up to Pastor Darrell and myself, Pastor Alvin, Jeff, when I'm feeling tired, to preach the word and to teach. But the commission, as I said, is for every believer. If we break this down, teaching is part of sharing our faith. How can I possibly tell someone about the gospel if I don't know it? And if I know it, then I'm teaching it, am I not? And so that's the context that we're using here. I first have to understand my relationship with Jesus. I have to understand the gospel message in order to be able to tell others about it. And as we learn, memorize and apply scripture, we build a valuable resource that we can use whenever we face confrontation, whenever we face those down times, but also when we face those opportunities to encourage, build up and strengthen in the faith and, all in the faith, and also to have those opportunities when someone wants to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and talk about them, just as this lady did this last week. We spoke about prayer and prayer leads to a ministry of worship and intercession. And when we pray, we are worshipping God. And I've got to tell you, I just, I just love the prayer meetings that we have. Young adults, young people, we're about to start prayer and praise again for young adults. I'm so looking forward to that. You're going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So it's going to be so good to gather together and just have those times of prayer and praise together. And so our prayer meetings are those moments of praise, adoration, intercession, petition and devotion to God. And I'm so moved at the times. Sometimes God gives me these really bizarre things to say, this is the theme of our prayer meeting. And I've been with people who've been in tears as they've interceded for our church and, and, and just how impassioned they are in their pleas to God. And then we just find ourselves worshipping God for who he is. When, when we pray, we, we draw closer to God. And, and it's a personal thing, yes. First and foremost, it's got to be part of your quiet times. It's got to be part of you... Um, getting to know God and being intimate with Him. But also, it should be part of us gathering as a people. We should have this passion and desire to be with each other and to intercede on behalf of the wider church and our community, to be petitioning God, to do a great work in this place, to be humbling ourselves corporately together. It draws us closer to God. 
We should fellowship as a body of people, even as we pray. Each and every one of us worship God in a unique way. And God waits to hear from us. And He loves to hear our voice. He loves to hear our prayers. I've shared with a few of you, one of my churches, we had this guy, he was a terrible singer. Like, seriously, I've never heard anyone as bad as this guy. And he used to sing at the top of his lungs. And, and it actually didn't disturb us, it didn't worry us, because we knew this guy loved Jesus, and he was just singing to the Lord. In fact, we used to, we don't do this anymore, but we used to do a talent quest in our church every year, and we'd always get him to do a solo uh, and it was just great because we knew he loved the Lord. And God waits to hear from you. Don't, don't think, I can't sing, so I'm not going to. Don't think, well, my prayers, I stumble over words and things like that, so I'm not going to. God longs to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. And I, I know uh, th there's so many accounts where people have said some of the most basic things and it's just really moved not just the people present, but God himself, I'm sure. And there's been a mighty work happen as a result. I've told you about those incredibly spiritual prayers I've prayed. God help me. I think that's the greatest prayer I've ever prayed. And the outcome of that particular prayer was astounding. What value and importance do you place on prayer? Think about the missionaries you know. And most of the missionaries I speak to, when you say, what do you need? What is it that you want? They say, pray for us. We just need people to pray. We need people to intercede for us. When you have people, even here in Australia, who go out on street ministry and work in the streets and things like that, and you say to them, how can I help you? What do you want us to do? They say, pray for us. We just need you to pray. When you come to us as congregational members who want to care and love for us as pastors, and you say, what do you want us to do? My first thing is pray for us. Just Pray for us. We need your prayers. It has to be the basis of what we do. And it has to be valued by each and every one of us. We have to see it as important. It's only when people gather to pray that God can do a mighty work amongst us. And as the disciplines of reading and teaching the word and individual and corporate prayer become more significant in your life, it naturally leads to other ways to minister. And reading the word leads to teaching and praying leads to worship and intercession. And in both cases, you're beginning to minister to others. And it's as we interact with others that God, through Holy Spirit, may reveal to us individuals that need to be nurtured. John 21, 17 says, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And many see this as a painful encounter for Peter. But the thing is, it is clearly evident that Jesus sees the great potential in Peter. And he says, Peter, look, I'm restoring you to faith. I'm giving you back the ministry that you thought you once had. Remember when I said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That hasn't happened yet. Now's the time, Peter. It's about to happen. Don't astray. Don't go away. I want to empower you. I want to equip you. And I want you to feed my sheep. And Jesus is encouraging him to grow into this role for him. I think this, I haven't even spoken to Elena, but I think this must have been how, how we grew into the mentoring role that we have because we would just spend time particularly with young people and we would see someone who just had this hunger and passion to know more. They didn't necessarily have it right. They didn't necessarily understand what it was that they wanted, but we would just say, hey, 
we need to spend time with this person. We need, we need to tell them more about faith. We need to encourage them. And you see them grow and blossom in the faith. And it is the most incredible thing, short of them first giving their life to Jesus. It, it is just amazing. We're called to feed the sheep, each and every one of us. And Elena and I love nurturing new or young believers to be more established in their faith. We desire to see them grown into mature Christians. I can't tell you the delight when I think of some of the first people I mentored are now leaders in churches and it is great to see them going on in faith to excel where I was at their ages and it's just such an incredible work of God and such a privilege to be involved in that work. We want to establish people in their faith so they're sure of what they believe in and we only get a fleeting moment how young people the ones that haven't headed off to university yet, they're going to be challenged as soon as they get to uni. We have this one moment in time where we can establish them in the faith. And I believe it's vital. By the way, praise God for Friday night. How good was that? I thought it was awesome. We had 29 young people at youth. It was just phenomenal. Uh, very, very appreciative of our leaders and, and what they've done with youth and uh, coming back with a vengeance and doing an incredible job. So... Think about what you can do to help people develop a richer relationship with Jesus. It could be in being part of a connect group or it could be in you leading or hosting a connect group. It could be that intention of challenging that group, not only to hear that word, but to actually put it in place, to live it out uh, during the week. It may be that you have a particular skill where you can actually train leaders, teach others how to witness to others, how to pray, how to develop a personal quiet time. All of these things are needed in the church today. You may just love making yourself available so people can walk alongside you and they can just see how you do Christian life in the day-to-day workings of what you actually do. And that would be a blessing upon them as well. Elena and I, pre-COVID, we just loved the amount of people that were rotating through our house. And um, I was asked the other day how many people had come through our house in the last week and I said, oh, not as many as normal. And when I counted it up, it was just over 30. We love it. We just love people being present with us and we're looking forward to more of that. And people know when they come, they just walk in. You don't knock on the door, you just come in. If we're not around, grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee, raid the fridge, whatever it takes. And uh, we'll join you and we just do life. We hang out and uh, it's such a blessing. And all of these things, all of them are nurturing people, growing people in the faith. It's allowing them to see how we live as a view of leading them in such a way that they develop a personal, lifelong, obedient relationship with Jesus. And each and every moment, each and every encounter, they should become more Christ-like. Our intention should be to move everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike, one step closer to Christ with each and every encounter. It's what the Great Commission is about. Jesus did life with his disciples, and I think we should too. The fourth ministry that we mentioned is witness, and witness leads to that ministry of evangelism. And Jesus commands that each of us goes and makes disciples of all men. He commands it. It's not optional. All of us are responsible to be telling others about Jesus. And we have the passage from John 15. 
This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And I'm not sure what you think about when you read this passage and passages like this, but this indicates that if we're followers of Jesus, we should be willing to give up everything, everything for our friends. What does that mean when it comes to witnessing? I can't see how we can say we love someone if we're not willing to tell them about Jesus. Jesus is an incredible gift we have. And you know it, you value it, you understand what it's like to have this hope and assurance that you're going to be in glory with him. Why wouldn't you want to bring your friends along to that? And as crazy as it sounds, why wouldn't you want to bring your enemies along to that? Why would you want anyone to suffer the type of separation the scripture tells us will be if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour? And there are many ways that we can be a witness for Jesus. Elena and I have the habit of encouraging people to pray for divine appointments. And we're so blessed to see God do so much in the people who have actually prayed that prayer. And for them to recognize that God has presented them with this golden opportunity for them to speak about him. And when you have a little faith, he seems to present opportunities where it only takes a little step in order to talk about him. If you have great faith things become a little more complex but you don't seem to care because you've seen how Jesus works previously in your life so let's pray that God will present opportunities to us to speak about him because he does and he does it constantly and continuously the way we live should also be so counter to the world that those around us look upon us and go, what is it with these people? When we interact with others, we've got this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're not common traits in the world these days. If we were to live those out, if people were to see those in us, they're going to be like, what is going on in your life? Why do you live this way? And Alana's testified to having people in her workplace say, why are you so joyful? Why do you have that smile on your face all the time? And Elena will testify to the fact that it's because of Jesus. It's not her husband, that's nothing to be joyful about. Why are you laughing? There are some gifted evangelists in the world, and I've said it before, I know these people, you know, it's almost like they just say Jesus and everyone falls on their face and gives their life to Christ. It's not quite that good, but it seems that way. And I've heard many stories about pastors who've been faithful in their churches and they get people come forward and give their life to Christ. And I remember a young man in a particular popular church in um, Brisbane. Uh, he preached his first message and he sat down and the senior pastor said, mate, you've got to go up and do an altar call. He goes, do a what? He said, an altar call. You know, ask people if they want to come forward and give their life to Jesus. He said, why would I do that? He said, just get up and do it. 13 people came to faith that day. This is a guy, he's a gifted evangelist, Amen. I ain't never had 13 people come to faith in a service, but that's not my gift and I shouldn't desire that. It'd be great, but I'm happy with the Lord using me wherever he can. Some are willing to knock on doors and speak about faith. They're an incredible blessing. You know, that's not as hard as it was. When I did my week of experience at um, Bridgman Downs, um, they said, we're going to go door knocking. And I was like, oh, great. We're just going to get abused for the whole day. And I will be honest, the first house we went into, they sicked their dogs onto us. But um, I managed to get away, and my partner in crime, he didn't, but that's all right. Uh, but the thing was, we're knocking on these doors, and these, these people had a witness in that community. We've got, we do too. How many people know about Kids Club around our community? 
I, I think that'd be pretty prevalent. I think there'd be a ton of people out there that knows about Kids Club. So with Richmond Downs, we'd knock on these people's door and we'd say, oh, good morning. They go, no, thank you. And we say, oh, we're just from the church up the road. Oh, are you guys with that church that do the big garage sale? And we're like, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, come out and they stand there. And go, yeah, I went along last year. That was a great time, blah, blah, blah. And you're suddenly having these conversations with people and you slowly turn it to Christ. Oh, what's that you got in your hand? I'm glad you asked. We've got a bit of a CD here that you can have a listen to some music. We just want to give you a Bible, and uh, we want to encourage you to read the Bible. And if you've got any questions, there's some contact details in there. I, I gave away something like 14 of those packs the first time I went out, and I come back gobsmacked. I was like, why do we make this so complicated? Why do we make this so hard? We just make all these excuses and don't do it. Bit of a sidetrack, sorry. We are called to be witnesses. I love the story of Frank Jenner. Who knows the story of Frank Jenner? Frank Jenner is a guy who was in Sydney. He, he made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and he was so miraculously saved. He said, Lord, I am going to faithfully witness to 10 people every day. He wasn't a gifted evangelist. So the way Frank Jenner did it was to hand out a brochure. And so he'd step out in front of people and he'd say, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, whoever it was, are you saved? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? And Frank Jenner just did that over and over and over, 10 times. If he missed getting 10 in a day, he'd just tack it on to the next day. If he was sick one day and couldn't do it, he would tack those on. He would catch up. He declared that he would do 10 a day. And he faithfully did that. It is estimated that Frank Jenner witnessed to 147,000 people. Frank Jenner had no idea if anyone gave their life to Christ. Waste of time. When you hear the story of Frank Jenner, because I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to make you go look it up. If you need to know, send me a text, I'll send it back to you. You look it up on Google, you read that story. It is phenomenal what happens. But Frank Jenner, he faithfully did what the Lord called him. And if you came to me and said, I believe God's got this mighty work he wants me to do, he wants me to hand out flyers in Brisbane City, I'd be like, okay, let's pray about that. And if God seems to say yes, we'd send you. But I would never expect the response that Frank Jenner got. The reason I and others tell you things like this is so you'll be motivated to think about how you can witness for Jesus. He may call you to do something a little bit different to everyone else. And I think we now have to think outside of the box. We've been caught up in this whole mentality where the church in a town is a lighthouse and it draws people here. So this is where you come and hear the gospel message. People, it doesn't work. It works on a very small scale. And our churches are fighting for the 15% of people who walk into this building. What are we doing with the other 85? Out of that 85%, there is over 40% who would willingly read the Bible with someone if they were to offer. And we don't even knock on their door. You people are involved in sporting organisations, you're involved in social clubs, you're involved in universities, you're involved in communities outside of this place where there is that 40-odd percent dwelling. We have opportunities each and every day that we don't seize and we need to be. We have to trust Jesus in all of this. And I'll admit, it's not going to be easy. I remember the first time I tried to talk about Jesus. I'm not even sure if I got Jesus' name out. I was so nervous that this person was going to kill me or something. But it does get easier. 
I tell you to pray for that 10 seconds of bravery. I only tell you to pray that because I've prayed it and I know it works. You only need to make that initial step and Holy Spirit will then work through you. It's all about obedience. We need to count the cost, but we also need to think about the demands of Jesus in the midst of this. I want you to think back to that first verse that I read out, Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to take up your cross? In case there's any misunderstanding, it's not, there's no pleasant outcome. It's, it's not a good end. And Jesus talks very plainly and specifically about the type of life that his followers will have. He said it in Luke 9.23 and he says it in many other places including John 15.8. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And I don't believe this is a passing comment of Jesus. I believe that he knew what the disciples would face. And he wanted to tell them prior to it happening so that they would know. So people, the world's going to hate you. If you do this, if you decide that you're going to be out there talking about Jesus, you're going to encounter people who hate you because of that. Don't be surprised. We know the majority of the disciples died very unpleasant deaths. And they died those deaths because they were obedient to Christ. And the harsh reality is that Jesus was rejected. And so his disciples are going to be rejected. We are his disciples. There's a good chance that we'll be direct, uh, rejected as well. And the encouraging thing is, we will never suffer anything that Jesus himself has not suffered. He knows the temptations we face. But he also provides help for us. He knows what we're going through. And he assured the disciples and he assured us that he would ask the Father who would give us another helper. And that helper would be with us forever. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He is the Spirit of Truth. He will not leave us as orphans. He will come to us through Holy Spirit. And that promise holds true for us today. Jesus gives us Holy Spirit who indwells us, he empowers us, he guides us, he equips us. And he does all of that so that we can live for Jesus, so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Our fellowship and witness leads to serving others. The call is to lay down our lives for our friends. It costs it's a sacrifice. But this life of service is what we're called to. Our hope is that you've been greatly encouraged by this series. And there's one question that needs to be asked. Are you a true disciple? What we've discussed during this message is a very basic overview of master life. I want you to think about the topics that we covered. Spending time with the Master, praying in faith, living in the Word, fellowshipping with believers, witnessing to the world and ministering to others. As we've moved through this series, can you identify that you're lacking in any of these areas? Have you submitted all of your life to Jesus? Are you denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following him? We want to encourage you to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. 
faithfully following him in submissive obedience. And I can testify that road is not perfectly smooth. It doesn't provide the absolute best you can have in this life, but it's the right road. It's the only road. And those who choose to walk it all agree there's no place we'd rather be. Let's pray. Father God, you're a good God. I love you so much. I thank you that you love us. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone here in the auditorium. I want to pray for the people at home. They don't just see some bloke up the front bumping his gums about things that don't matter. I pray that they hear from you tonight. I pray that you are moving in our lives in such a way that we want to change, that we want to draw closer to you. Father, I believe you're working people's lives even now as I speak. Help them not to be afraid of what you're calling them to, Lord. Help them to have that willingness to come forward, to be prayed for, to be encouraged, to be strengthened in the faith. And Lord, if they're facing difficulties, if they're caught in whatever addiction, Lord, give them the guts to tell us about it and help us to walk alongside them until they're restored to faith with you and that they know your presence and power in overcoming those sins that are against you. My desire is that we all move closer to you, Lord. Do your work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.